Today, Istanbul is known as the city that stands on two continents. But in the ancient world, it went by a different name and stood at the nexus between East and West. It was called Byzantium, and it was the site ancient Rome decamped to when the Western Empire began to crumble. It was also the place a great and terrifying soldier welded together a new empire. He named it Constantinople and stamped his authority on the city and the state and used the church to wield power not seen since the time of Hadrian or Augustus. This was the empire of Constantine the Great. Blind History, Season 5. We're coming to the end of what has been an incredible season. I mean, it's, it's, never, it's never a dull moment on this, uh, this podcast. And obviously with the people we've chosen to end off with, we're ending on a big high. Uh, we haven't gone to Rome for a long time, and today we return to Rome. It's more the Eastern Roman Empire than the Western Roman Empire. And we're talking about Constantine the Great, um, whose real name was Flavius Valerius Constantinus. And I know he's one of your favorites. Yeah, 100%. And I know that Augustus is one of your favorites. So there was always a debate, well, was Constantine the Great greater than Augustus? So probably not. <laughs> but, um, I mean, it's so long ago we can't tell. But why I enjoyed Constantine was because the Roman Empire was really just on a slippery slope to nowhere. Yeah. And, okay, so Aurelian, which is quite an unknown emperor, before and definitely Constantine almost resurrected it because I think he was more of a of a military guy. Ultimately, he was brilliant as a soldier, and he got the empire back, sort of back on track in a way before the final demise. The dream, the hope of bringing Rome back to life, was probably the longest lived dream in Europe and continues to be. I mean, the Holy Roman Empire continued that under Charlemagne and all his successes, and it probably only really was finally put to death. In the time of the First World War. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's a hell of a long time yeah. for a dream to live. And you know, Charlemagne loved Constantine. Mm. And he tried to mimic him in a lot of things that he did. Well, it was two of the most important things he'd ever wanted to achieve as, yeah. as emperor. He wanted to be a good ruler like the classic Roman emperors were. He also wanted to be a good Christian ruler. And Constantine was obviously famous for being the first Christian emperor Correct. of Rome. Yeah. So for me, that's where Constantine comes in as one of my top. Well, the story starts really a lot before where he comes into the main picture. And Diocletian was the emperor who decided to cut it into four parts. Who knows why? There were probably massive factions. It was very hard to manage an empire at that stage. They, they didn't have central authority or control. It was called a tetrarchy. And one of the, the four emperors was actually Constantine's father. His name was Constantinus. And as I understand it, he was not particularly noteworthy, but what was noteworthy is that during his life, Constantine the Great got to travel from Britain at that far extreme of the Roman Empire, right the way to Palmyra mm, and Egypt. areas on, on, in Egypt and on, on the eastern and southern borders of ancient Rome. It must have been the most exciting life. And consider how far 
those distances were in those days plane travel or rail or cars Correct. you know <laughs> these people had to walk or yeah. ride on horseback and go on boats to britain and britain was still a very hostile, hostile <laughs> scary place i mean Badika had just been killed you know yeah. <laughs> so it was it was quite a scary place but he came from serbia just give an idea where he was born so i mean not close to rome and in that sort of area i mean where a lot of the emperors before so he was born outside of that area, Constantine. And his dad, what his dad, when you when when you say it, not noteworthy, he was he really was a he was a team player, and he fought in a lot of wars. And I think he got the eye of the emperor, and to such an extent that um, he ended up being emperor. So he, mm. you know, I think there must have been some some charisma, and he was a good man from what I can see and what I can yeah. read. Oh, absolutely, and and history is not unkind to him. I just. Compared to his son, he doesn't really show up. No, much. just that's where he came from. But the mother's interesting, Helena. Helena, yes. She was born a commoner, no Correct. particular distinction in, in her life before no. she married him, um, Constantine's father, and had a, a profound influence on her son when it came to his conversion to Christianity. And we have no reason to doubt that he was sincere in his beliefs, although many people since then have speculated that it was very politically yeah. convenient to be a Christian. I think and, it was. and to make Rome Christian. Yeah. You can think it's also a big step. Yeah. Because Christianity was still in its infancy. And so it was a big step. But Helena was always Christian. Mm. That I can what I yeah. can understand. And a fanatic. A, a fanatic. I mean she would go around Jerusalem collecting little bits of wood saying these are pieces of the true cross. In fact, there are some of them all over churches in Europe now. Yeah. So many pieces, if you put them together, you could probably build eight crosses. But yeah. that's besides the, that's besides the point, right? But she also um, had a she also, she also there's a walk that Helena did that's still done today. Correct. And she the was stations of the cross. Correct. Yeah. She and, was the one who plotted it out with no knowledge of the geography of Jerusalem. She just had a feeling. Yeah. So it probably was had nothing to do with where <laughs> they, they were well walking. Been, I mean, listen, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is built. In the most likely place for the tomb of Jesus to Correct. have been. But she's the one who decided there it is. Yeah. And, you know, maybe in her time there was more evidence than there is now. Um, but certainly she was a zealot. Yeah. There's no other way to put it. So let's just go back to Constantine for a second because you know a lot about how his story starts. He does eventually inherit from his father the title of emperor, but it's him and Maxentius. Correct. Right? So he's in charge of the Western Roman Empire and Maxentius in charge of the East, or do I have it the wrong way around? So initially on the Tetrarchy, Diocletian, yeah. he was on the one side and it was Maximius on the other side. Mm. And he had junior emperors and Constantinus was a junior emperor, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah. And there was a fourth junior emperor as well. So there were four of them. And when he died, uh, he died in Great Britain, he got sick. And the army said, Constantine, you're the son, you're in. So it was a bit tenure, so, and it was very important that, that he got buy-in from the other guys. But if I look at the history of during Constantine's time, these guys, Maximius, Maximius' son, and Diocletian, they weren't soldiers like he was. So his strength was that he got the army. The military and they, oh, they He was, was quite a good strategist as well. Exactly. We, we learned that later on in battle. But what happened was that he had the strongest army out of anybody in the, mm. in, in the Tekra. And so they would say, ah, they were so angry when they heard that he donned the purple. Mm. But ultimately, in the end, there's nothing they could have done, so they accepted him. But he was proclaimed Augusta, but they saw him as a Caesar. Right. Which, and, you know, as Augusta is the top. Yeah. So they, they saw him like that, and the coins were minted as that. But he said, stuff you, I'm Augusta. So he, his coins were minted accordingly. So he 
basically with a little bit of help from his friends in the military, he made himself yeah. big boss over the others. But unfortunately, you know, if you if you love Roman history and you just see the slippery slide and mm. and you know that the army just became too strong in who was appointed yeah. the next emperor and it actually weakened the empire. Well, I mean, listen, this wasn't at a great time for the Roman Empire, and it had become big, and it had become decadent, and it had become very messy. One of the things that Constantine is credited with is because of his devout religious beliefs, piety, morality, he banned crucifixion, he banned gladiatorial combat to the death, he banned sexual licentiousness, which, you know, in Rome – you kind of just had to walk around a corner and join an orgy. Mm. After he came <laughs> yeah, in as exactly. emperor, they said, no more of that. <laughs> we'll, we'll have no trouble here. Yeah. <laughs> and that was probably also as a result of his, his very devout and, and, and yeah. pious belief in this relationship, which he claims in his memoirs and his, his great biographer, Eusebius, says, was an honest and sincere mm. belief. So he had a relationship with God, a hundred percent. he saw it. Of course, there's that famous story of the conversion on the road to Damascus, where he saw the sign of the cross in the sky, fell to his knees, and said, "By this sign shall I conquer." Just before he had that battle against Maxentius to finally take over the Western Empire completely and put that to bed was the Battle of Milvian Bridge. And the night before that, he had that vision of and, the cross. Of the cross, and then that next morning, you know, he told his soldiers to put the mark on their shields. Um, the mark being the cross. Yes. So there's, there's a little bit of a debate exactly how it looked, but ultimately it was, it's very clear what he was saying. Monotheism, which was not part of what the, the pagans thought in the past, and he whacked the heck out of Maxentius. That was one of his great battles, and that really shows from you know he had the sign, you're going to be fine. Well, that's known as the Damascene moment, and there are people who've ever since then considered any aha moment in their lives to be a Damascene moment. So, you know, when people say that they suddenly had a change of heart about something, or they looked at their wife one day and decided, I don't want to be with you anymore. Mm. It's like a Damascene <laughs> moment. <laughs> you can claim, by this sign shall I conquer. But if we just go back to Diocletian's court, and he was in Diocletian's court, so he was always the blue-eyed boy, so to speak, mm. although nobody trusted anybody, so he was almost like a, like a hostage. But he fought many wars under the banner of, of Diocletian. But what, what happened, and uh, historians are, are split on it, is Diocletian got a sign from Apollo that they need to persecute the Christians. Mm. And um, between him and Galerius, who became another emperor, it was the worst ever. It was actually. really bad. It they, was really bad. There was more blood flowing through the, the, the streets and the stadia of ancient Rome than at any other time. They really yeah. took it out on Christians. Yeah. Lions. It was not a good time. No, to be it wasn't going to be a good time to be no. a Christian. So he, he didn't support that. <laughs> Look, it may have had an, an effect, and this is also where the historians come in. They say that it may have had an effect on him. To the extent that he thought this is wrong mm. and we shouldn't allow this kind of thing to happen again. Yeah. At that time, his dad got him out of, out of Dodge City mm. and he went across to Britain to fight the cults and, and settle things in Britain. And then his dad died. And that's after that, he became emperor. And that's yeah. where he started to rule. And what's very interesting here is, and that's why there is comparisons to Augustus, he was the second longest ruler next that's right. to Augustus. So he, he basically ruled either in partnership or on his own. For around 31 years before he passed away finally. So it was impressive. He had the opportunity to rebuild the Roman Empire. Well, there's a, there's a biographer who wrote that the age of Constantine marked a distinct epoch in the history of the Roman Empire. He built a new imperial residence at Byzantium, 
which was eventually called Constantinople, yeah. named after him, and now it's called Istanbul, which is at the junction of Europe and Asia. Yeah, Phosphorus Strait, Hellespont, famous area. Absolutely. It's where, you know, before that, there had been Greeks and Persians at war. Correct. And he obviously issued the Edict of Milan in 313, which is well known to have declared tolerance and acceptance of Christianity mm. in Rome. He converted, which we've covered right. Already, but then and he just upped the ante on Jews. So we think yeah, for a minute. So we yes. think for a minute so, that these. So the Christians are now having a better time. Yes, but suddenly it becomes much, much worse for the Jews. He's in fact credited, or I suppose uh, blamed, for a lot of the anti-Semitism that flowed after that, from the idea that Jews had this blood libel yeah. for killing Jesus, and, and it's uh, never gone away. But also the other thing is, is when you look at tolerance. So yeah. his dad was a lot more tolerant, but he, it wasn't like because he was a first Christian emperor, he was not tolerant. No. I mean, he, he said many times, I mean, he would send anybody that was against him to the lions. Absolutely. He did build some buildings which we can still see now. I mean, yeah. the, the famous, famous Hagia Sophia, which is decorated with mosaics, unfortunately, because of the rules of Islam, many of those are now obscured or were painted over or were plastered over. But there are some images of Constantine and there's that famous gigantic head and hand, which I've actually stood next to in the Capitoline Museum in Rome, which is of, it's a portrait of him. Um, but he's, he built St. Peter's anew. Yes. And that was the Holy Sepulchre. The Holy Sepulchre, correct. But he is well known for having redeveloped the idea of St. Peter being a martyr and a saint, his burial place being the, the, the site of the altar of St. Peter's. And that building stayed there until Michelangelo and various popes in the mm. 1600s decided to redesign it. He obviously was a very smart man. Mm. He set up through the Council of Nicaea and the original convocations of the church, the basic tenets of Christianity, decided which elements of the Bible would be kept in, which weren't, which was appropriate gospel, which wasn't. And in many ways, that moment of his conversion is probably one of the most historical moments of all Western history. Correct. Most relevant, most important, noteworthy yeah. moments. And I think as well it's important to note from an administration perspective, he did a lot of things to put together the Roman Empire. There was massive inflation. Yeah. Uh, at the time, the empire was crumbling. And, you know, he brought a gold coin back in. There was no value really in, in the copper coin and That's the silver right. coin. That's right. It was called the solidus. But there were also other stories of he dressed extravagantly and he spent lavishly. He built this amazing palace for himself in yes. Constantinople. Correct. You know, the remnants of which we can still see today. Yeah, and I think also in Tyre, where the original Tetrarchy's Western Roman Empire head, I mean, there's, there's massive baths yeah. to rival Rome's baths. Yeah. So he really did. He wasn't scared to spend and to build. Rather than stop the tide in terms of inflation, he, he probably pushed it along a bit. The reason he's so beloved now is because Christianity inherited much of Western civilization yes. through him, you know, and we, we look back on Rome more fondly than if he had remained a pagan and if we'd all ended up Christians. So there's, th this really is something particularly, uh, it was a juncture yeah. of history. It was a, it was a moment of, this is the, the course of, of history. This is where we're going from here on in. And for a thousand years, Constantinople remained the capital Correct. of that part of the world also constantinople you know how many times the the ottomans tried to take it yeah and you could not break down that city and i think mehmet ii finally broke in and i'm not a big fan of mehmet ii because 
he was so scared of Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I, they can't tell me that he wasn't a bit yellow. But, yeah. And this is what Constantine built. And it, so the legacy is massive. And the point where he chose that site, he knew and he saw that the Western Empire was really crumbling. It wasn't as populated. The place to be was in the East. And also the Danube was the most important place to protect the Roman Empire in its future. Mm. So I think that's fundamental as well, Constantinople. He probably extended its life for. You know, much longer than it would have lived exactly. without him. Yes. But a really incredible human being. And even though we are more critical of him now than perhaps they were up to the Renaissance, because until then he was regarded as a saint and he yes. is, he's still a, a saint of the, of the Catholic Church and the Eastern Orthodox Church. Um, but a really, really incredible man who also then created his own dynasty, which outlived him yes. by some couple of hundred years. And he brought in Sunday as a day of rest, um, which is what's, you know, Christianity looks at that. It was him, huh? It was him that brought it in. And then also the the shaving. If you look at Marcus Aurelius and Hadrian to that matter, they started getting a bit tatty. Beards. The emperors. They're all beards yeah. and, and whatnot. So, and he brought back the clean shaven of the times of Augustus where the, the emperor started to be clean shaven. And you see all his busts are yeah. clean shaven. He was quite a powerful man as well. And so he brought it, you know, there was a lot of things that he brought back as well. Do we know any other things about his his personality or his personal life or the kinds of things he did? I mean, you said so, he dressed extravagantly. And- well, the big thing that really hangs over him is he killed his, his wife and he killed his son. That's quite a big problem. Yeah. So, but there's I a mean, few- you know, if we're going to be forgiving, that shouldn't really yeah. be. <laughs> so, so there's a there's a whole, there's hey, a, just killed his wife. He just killed his kid. Well, you know what? what yeah. Who doesn't? So there's a few of our, the people we've covered in history that have done that. But so the story sort of painted was is that Crispus, the son, had an affair with his stepmom. I love affair. these names. Yeah, so, Crispus. Yeah, Crispus. So he burnt him to a crisp, actually. Yeah, yeah exactly. So Crispus, he killed Crispus. Mm-hmm. And then Fossus was the next to go. But it was because they had an affair. This is what they said. But ultimately, it was to protect the lineage. Mm. So Constantine the first, Constantius the second, mm-hmm. Constance, the rest of his lineage he was trying to protect it. So, so it could have also been a very political move. And also he took Fastus out just to say, listen, guys, I'm still in control here. You can't mess with me. I'm in control of who goes where. So that's one of the things that stood over him a little bit. But uh, during that time, that wasn't unusual. Yeah. I mean, listen, killing your wife in any time is not particularly nice. But- no, I mean… It's- yeah, if you've got to protect your dynasty, you've got bigger plans. Yeah, he definitely had. He definitely wanted. He was worried about his lineage. So everybody's going to say better or bigger or more important than Augustus. If we look at Augustus and him, I think there's no doubt in my mind, and I think in most people's mind, Augustus was the best administrator. Good. So we don't have to fight. No, not at all. But the, from a from a soldier perspective, yeah. um, Marcus Agrippa was he did Augustus's heavy lifting. He was his, sure. He carried out his work, but. Constantine was the warrior. He, I mean, the amount of battles this guy won. Mm. On the other hand, administratively, he was sound, but he made a lot of mistakes. He basically took the empire later on a little bit the wrong way. Yeah. So it's, I don't know if it's really a, a big debate. It's completely different times. I just think the one was a soldier, the other one's more of a statesman. Yeah. Well, I think that the whole world owes quite a lot more than just Sundays. To yes. Constantine the Great. And I, I, I can tell that there are some people who you just love talking about and some people you're like, ah, please. <laughs> 100%. Blind History. This is season five and we're nearing the end and we thought we'd bring you something from the Byzantine Empire, the Eastern Roman Empire, the, the decline of Rome, 
but there was this one shining moment that was occupied by this brilliant man. Blind History is brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. All the episodes are available on the cliffcentral.com website and app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Under the High Altar at St. Peter's is a place called the Confessio. You go down some stairs. It's not open to the public. Really, only the Pope and a few very important cardinals get to go down there. There's a little box which contains some bones, which they purport to be the bones of a man about the age of St. Peter when he died. They, of course, by legend, crucified St. Peter upside down because he refused to be crucified like Jesus. He didn't think he was worthy. Hmm. And... In the Confessio, the, these bones are still there, and they were they were buried in a, a little uh, recess in what's called a red wall, and it is directly in this, the position that Constantine built the original basilica in. Supposedly, in graffiti were carved, Hic est Peter, here rests Peter. So there's, there's reason to believe it's true, 